The following episode of Council of the First Ones was recorded on November 30th, 2014, the day before Maddie's Cyber Monday flash sales. Hello and welcome to another episode of Council of the First Ones. I'm Kelly, host of Toys and Tunes and admin for the Great Rebellion. Guys, I've got a bit of bad news. For the first time since the council has been meeting, my partner in crime, Yoni, is not joining us. He went to the dark side. He's still angry about the Star Wars trailer? I think so. Don't get me started on the Crossguard Hilt. <laughs> and don't even get and don't even get me started on the Jurassic World hamster ball. <laughs> I haven't even seen the Jurassic Park one yet. It's actually better than the Star Wars one. That's That has me upset. Well, joining me for this post-Thanksgiving feast is our re resident ranter who wants to get started on Star Wars, Crespo. So how, hey, y'all. So how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, lots of food. Lots of potato salad, thanks to Ethereum Rebel Josh. And Black Friday wasn't as chaotic as I expected, seeing it from the other side, the non-customer side. So it was a breath of fresh air, and we'll talk about the whole Maddie thing later. Yep. Because well, Jurassic World was freaking awesome. Uh, Star Wars, it was cool to see finally a new Star Wars with no Misa Jar Jar Binks. But the soccer ball robot... Box me. The crossguard lightsaber box me a little bit, but it's more of technical reasons. And I'll just have to wait and see. 2015 is the year where everything will be revealed, and I just can't wait to talk some Masters of the Universe. Also joining us is a brave soul who went to Walmart on Thanksgiving. I had no choice. And made it out alive is Renee. Hey, Renee. Hello, everybody. Well, my family must be hearing nerds on the couch, because Thanksgiving they gave me a bag, which I'm going to be doing a video review on, all full of Star Wars stuff. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe this will help convince you. Our special has, uh, the nerds on the couch special got some buzz going off that. And I was lucky enough that I was able to combine the footage. So, you know, people can now see a complete version and you can catch up on what you missed, Kelly. Oh, God, please. I was barfing after I left the group. But uh, for those who need to check it out, where can they find it on YouTube? Uh, it's actually not on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm trying to avoid certain things, but no. It's on our Facebook page. I, it's, it's a direct upload on our Facebook page. So if you really want to see me squirm, that's the show you need to see. And I left and it was still getting worse. But to be fair, that thing you guys were watching is a bit tad too long. It's a bit too 70s. And, okay, as horrible as the Heman and Shira Christmas special is, hey, it's a much better pill to swallow than that. I think we, as Council of the First Ones, should do it to the Heman and Shira special. I would be up for a live viewing. Yes, yes, yes. 
for all that it's unholy, yes. <laughs> so if you want to make us suffer, please let us know on facebook.com forward slash TGR club. Or when the episode gets posted on heman.org's forums, you can leave a note there saying, you want us to go through the Heman and She-Ra Christmas special again. And people would have no problem with that. I know it's on uh, Hulu. I know it's on Net. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. I think it still is, but I know for sure it's on Hulu. And it's been around on DVD for a buck, and I've got my disc copy that I got for a buck from a Walmart Christmas tree decoration. Yeah, I got it at Walmart too with the uh, Shiro wearing the Santa hat. Yeah, I got that yes. one. So we can all see it together and <laughs> comment on it. And we'll sing the. The really horrible song. Crespo's favorite Christmas carol. I'll tell you, if Crespo was here, we'd do the dance, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I just remembered some of the lyrics. We are meeting today to discuss the final He-Man and the Masters of the Universe comic after 19 issues. It is coming to an end. It's being turned into He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Eternity Wars. It signals the end of the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe comics as we know it. They're getting a rebranding. I mean, at least they still have most of the same team working on it. So, in this issue, number 19, it's actually more of a history lesson. As we go back, who knows how many years, Prince Adam is, sorry, it does say 12 years ago. Should have opened up my book. We do see, really, the death of King Randor. So, we know how long King Hiss has really been playing Randor now. And events that led up to Skeletor starting to have a little fight, I guess, with his uh, brother. Or should I say Keldor? Well, he's Keldor here. Yes, he is Keldor. I still can't see him as Keldor. I keep thinking of him as Skeletor, even though I know that's his real name is Keldor. Well, I see it kind of, again, Star Wars, Vader, Anakin, you know, (laughs) once he's in the suit and all that, he becomes Darth Vader. Let's back away from the little Annie thing, because it leaves a bad aftertaste in my mouth with the prequels. Let's just call it what it is. This is the Lion King. Randor's Mufasa. <laughs> Kelder is Scar. And Adam, it's obviously Simba. Yeah, but Adam's not running away from his home. Well, it's kind of the same situation here, isn't it? I mean, I understand, yes, it takes a toll. You're seeing your father. You want to do everything you can to help him. And Adam's still left in the dark, though, not knowing that his father passed. Because when he left Randor's side, they were still trying to work on him, and they're literally dragging the prince away. Yeah, but I don't... Uh, you mentioned the King Hiss thing. I don't see it here. No, but remember in the earlier uh, issues, I forget which number, we find out King Hiss was playing King Randor, and we both... We were all wondering for how long. Yeah, but the, yeah, but, but I don't think it was here. Yeah. But this might have been the events leading up to King Hiss being able to take over as Randor. 
didn't, didn't like, there was another scene, another comic where Adam was running around the palace and it was like a night and I think there his also could have been replaced. So there have been a few events, if I recall correctly, that his could have been taking the place for, of Randor. And I want to cite the, uh, the mini comic issue with, um, Randor. You know, those 99 cent digital ones they had? Where right. Randor was having a flashback about what it takes to be a king and protect the land and all that with the leech and he sacrificed a whole village and you see the regret and all that and then he looks down and he sees He-Man and Tila and talks about better heroes. You know, I see that as King Randor. I don't see it as King Hiss. King Hiss wouldn't think like that. True. And, and he wouldn't have that memory. So at that point, it's still Randor. My theory was, is during the attack, it was during the attack when the Horde attacked uh, the palace and all that, where the switch really happened. You know, but King Hiss just, like, screws around. Or, you know, he's a liar. He, you know, He's not going to tell you exactly when, but I think it was around that time he does it. Well, he is a snake after all. Well, yeah. a bunch of snakes. <laughs> when I get technical. Yeah, but he's not big on truth speaking. <laughs> so. Which bad guy is? The guy from Saw? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you found a bad guy that does like <laughs> No, but again, here I see that this is still Randor. You know, I, I just I just cite those reasons why it's probably still Randor. I mean, we can argue on that, because I know they also stated in the panel in this issue that King Randor was in critical condition, so we don't know if he did survive or not. But we do get to see the events of that day. Before before we head into the, into the flashback within the flashback, I just have to point this out. Mandor, family physician. That's so Mattel right there. Didn't you know that's going to be the sub-exclusive for 2016? And that's why it's the end of the line. <laughs> <laughs> no. know, but, but all jokes all jokes aside, I, I just, just when, I, when I read that, I just couldn't stop laughing because that sounds like so much. Like, I, I just picture Mendor, other Masters of Leaders figures sold separately from Mattel. <laughs> you know, logically, I kind of see it because we do need a healer. Uh, and, for example, G.I. Joe has Doc, has Lifeline, and other characters who are medics. And to be honest, the design of, the design of Mandor is kind of cool. It kind of reminds me a bit of Sodak with a K and some sort of parachute suit slash doctor kind of vibe to him. Okay, I'm just going to... I know it's a bit out of topic, but I just got to say it. The artist has a bit of a, of a trouble some problems drawing children because in various images in various scenes Adam looks like a really old man <laughs> instead of a twelve year old kid or ten year old however however old is here is he here. I do agree. I think the uh Prince the young Prince Adam looks weird. Yeah. Some points yeah he does look like a kid. Other points he looks like Ellen DeGeneres and other points <laughs> he just at other points, he looks like Burgess Meredith as the Penguin, disguised as Prince Adam. <sighs> Luckily, we're only seeing this in one issue. Good thing I wouldn't. Have, I don't think I would have. I would have lasted like through seven issues of Adam's really bad day. <laughs> well, it didn't start off as a bad day for Adam, as we go 
into the flashback within a flashback and probably something every Masters of the Universe female fan has been waiting for. And probably a few of the guys, too. Adam and Teal are finally kissing. And I know that somewhere Mechanic is really angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to point out something that I, that the first thing that struck me, she's in her filmation outfit. With added details. Yeah, of course. But I thought, hey, you know, that that's a cool little nod they threw in there for her. Although, yeah. I just wish they'd have a change of clothes once in a while. Well, at least she's wearing her clothes. Remember, when the series first began, she was stripping in front of everybody. Well, I agree, but I keep thinking, you know, at some point, she's here, they describe her as an acting private and all that, you think? Part of me would have been a little more creative in the artwork and designed like a female Eternian Guard outfit, a makeshift one. You know, something a little aside from the norm that we're getting, because... I'm kind of tired. You know, Adam always wears the same thing. Tila always wears the same thing. In the earlier issues, they've had different costumes. Yes. Well, that's just more like trying to reel back in some fans who have complained about all the hyperplating in in all the armor, boots, etc., etc. But I'm just taking it like a nice Easter egg for fans, and I don't think that's what she really wears every day. That's just like... I'm hoping it's just a civilian outfit and not really her palace guard outfit because I really like the T-Lad arms from the crossover. I want to see that come back in a flashback issue since now Tila's all green and godlike. With the J-Lo dress, remember? I'm not touching that with a 39 and a half foot pole because someone's watching Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had it on Black Friday while I was at work, so... It was either Seuss or Frozen. So it was like, a frozen I'll stick with Seuss. It's a classic. I do like Tila's reaction, though, to the kiss. I mean, that's typical girl right there. 12, 13-year-old girl. Yeah, what a nasty thing. And you kissed me. I didn't kiss you back. As they're kissing in the middle of the city. Well, that's some nice little adolescent. Teenage, young adolescent stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, no. it, it, it kind of feels like some, like a Disney Channel theme thing, and how the heck Adam could not hear the battalion of attack tracks coming his way? Because his mind was diverted to something else. You'd be surprised how dense teenagers are. You could tell Crespo doesn't work with teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I finally, I was able to dodge that bullet, so... But... but I I do like seeing Man at Arms in the classic costume, at least. And we do see Tila trying to save him. Which is basically a reverse filmation. That's right. For everyone who's counting at home. And I'm not thrilled with the attack track. I mean, how can I say this? Uh, it looks... It looks like Batman's car. It does, yeah. That's what I was... Yeah, it does look like Batman's car, and it's a, huge. It looks like a bootleg toy. It's too big, you know. I like, you know, Attack Track's my favorite vehicle, so I'm kind of picky about that one. And it's just, like, way oversized. It's almost like it's supposed to be a Batmobile as a tank. I I think the issue is that for a one-person vehicle, it's a bit too big, too impractical, because maybe if it was a more compact version of it, it could work a bit better, but... I don't, I don't feel it. It's like they're trying to channel in the 
the sucker mom van attack track from from filmation, but in the size, but trying to give it like the toy edge. But then again, it's not looking like the vintage toy or the model kit. So I just realized it is in uh, filmation colors, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it just it just hit me right now. You can see that DC must have wanted some kind of Batman influence. Because isn't that the going back to like the late 90s, early 2000s for the Batmobile front? Uh, it does remind me of the, um, the George Clooney one a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take two of these and call me in the morning. Please, bad boy. <laughs> but we can tell Duncan is still being the father figure, yelling at the kids. Pay attention, get back to the palace. Do you think the dad did it on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm surprised they didn't put a little microchip tracker in Adam. Okay, let's see, where where is he right now? Oh, he's over there. Time to ruin his fun. And I want to say this. I like the Stratos design a whole lot more here than the one in the modern comic. Yes, he's not the Power Ranger. I'm <laughs> just a bit thrown off by the um the jetpack it kinda it's making a big arrow towards his crotch and <laughs> and, and to make things worse Adam there all startled is all there is startled standing there and it and Stratos is like my face is up here boy <laughs> and one good thing I must say about Bossa they went for the cool two thousand X design which Mattel should have given us a second head off. Ah, uh, maybe in that head pack if it ever happens. Oh, wait, no, it won't happen. Maybe in the next toy line. But back to Stratos, I do like now that the wings kind of look like classics, but at the same time, they look new. So that's a positive thing I can say about the new Stratos. And although the helmet's a bit weird. I mean, it's better than the Spider-Man Power Ranger one, but it kind of looks like... He's got a, a huge bug clawing up his brain. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how they just showed up right behind him like, yeah, we've been here the whole time while uh, Teela was saving your butt from getting run over by man-at-arms. And we totally did nothing. We just sit, We just stood here and watched. While we turned around and got our popcorn, we just wanted to see the show. Bye now. This is really filmation influence, especially by looking at the that good shot we have of the town. Yes. I mean, the colors and all that. This is a really awesome update. If they ever did an animated series, they have to do it like this. I mean, I loved how they did it in 2000X, but this, to me, is the Eternian Palace. To be fair, to be fair, filmation had the better design for the whole palace and the city itself, because... 2000X, the palace itself looked a bit, um, how can I say this, Star Wars prequel, Coruscant kind of look to it. The Filmation Palace looks like sci-fi-ish enough, but not like we're copying something specifically kind of thing. And the red color kind of reminds me a bit of like Marrakesh and some middle, middle Eastern places. So it kind of fits with the whole mishmash of very modern stuff, uh, classical fantasy thing that Masters is supposed to have. Well, 
now we're inside the palace, and boy, lots and lots of stairs. I guess he's going up the Capitol stairs in Washington. Well, the first question that hit me is like, where's the mob? You notice? Uh, we haven't seen Queen Marlena. Aside the crossover, which I don't get since she's supposed to be there, since the whole curse Earth thing shouldn't have happened yet. Well, yeah, that's the issue. I, I mean, well, that's the thing I keep having is that you don't see the mom. Even in the flashback scenes, we had so many flashbacks. The mom only showed up in the crossover. Yeah. Let's just say, say she's taking the royal bath and she's, or she's indisposed at the moment and she's in the royal chambers resting because she doesn't feel well. But, and if she's not there, why keep the throw, her thrown around? Or why isn't Keldor sitting, warming, bench warming for the queen there? I mean, he's the royal prince and everything and we've got the king and his and the prince and Prince Kelder, which technically should be the next in line before, well, if something happens to Adam. So I get, oh. Don't forget, he should have been the king first because he is the eldest son of King Marrow. And uh-huh. then. No, it just, it just hit, it just hit me. So that's why I've been subconsciously associating this with the Lion King. No, no, no. We have a Game of Thrones situation going on here. Orko's a real king. <laughs> I mean, you see it in the in the a uh, few in a few issues. But first of all, I want to bring out that one we're seeing a weird hybrid of filmation and the toy King Randor here, which I like. I like the way he looks here. And then the the one with the paintings, you know, where they're looking at that mural thing. I'm a little bothered. They don't paint his face, King Grayskull's face. I mean, yeah, they should have had a face there. Well, I keep trying to figure out why. You know, was the guy trying, you know, is there a reason they don't paint his face? Is there some situation? Because, you know, we're going to go back. That was the same issue. Or I was talking to the the origin of He-Man. I don't know if it was print or not. But remember the origin of He-Man issue? Yes. I think that was online only. Yeah. And it's it's the same mural. And it just strikes me as kind of weird. The guy just decided not to do the face. I mean, they should have done something there. Even if the face was removed, have a bunch of scratched-out marks or something. Yeah, he wasn't ugly. I mean, that would have been a way, okay, something happened afterwards, because we know what happened to King Grayskull now, that people didn't want to even recognize his face and saying someday another person will take his place. Or even something. I, I guess uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just. A, I'm always a little bothered when somebody does detailed artwork and then they like blur out the face. Because I'm remembering a serial killer movie where they had that. Or maybe it's just like a like in Eternia. Well, I'm I'm just going off the head here. Maybe it's just like a reverse Jesus thing. Like we know that Jesus that it's port- has been portrayed since the Middle Ages. So towards modern era looks like a like a Caucasian man. Maybe. And it would have been impossible to have a Jesus to look like that according to where he lived, by the time, and everything. So maybe it's just like a reverse of that. And, or they're, maybe they're just playing the angle that maybe King Grayskull could have been a guard, but without painting him blue because that would make it too obvious. Although we know King Grayskull is not a guard. And, and King Grayskull doesn't exactly look like that in the painting. So maybe it's just like some weird artist rendition. 
But yeah, it it's kind of freaky seeing an empty black spot there. Maybe if he had at least like this, maybe shading up a bit of like a hint, like there's some eyes there and maybe a nose. But because I know where where he's hammering down the sword, you can see a bit of his eyes, you can see a bit of his nose, and maybe his lower lip. But it bugs it bugs me the one with the sword log that you can see nothing. It's like you stare at his face and you see nothing, like staring at the abyss. Or is maybe like some magic thingy that if you look at it and if and you're the worthy one, you'll see your face in it. Please, I hope it's not. I hope it's not that last one because that would be cheesy as heck. Well, no, because remember here they actually acknowledge that they're all descendants from Grayskull, and that Miro's last name is Grayskull. But I'm just saying that they're not gonna use like the the symbol for symbolism. Like Adam looks at at some point, Adam looks at him at King Grayskull, and then he sees his face on King Grayskull. And but I was gonna ask you guys, what do you think of uh, Keldor here, his design? Uh, okay. I can take the outfit, which is a lot better than having Keldor running around in Skeletor's clothing. Uh, but I kind of miss the stash and the goatee. Yeah, I mean, there's something off about Keldor. I mean, at first glance, I thought it was another Gar. I mean, he does need that mustache and goatee, and it looks like the face is just too round. It should be narrower. See, to me, he looks like the guy from No Country for Old Men. <laughs> okay, Hunter Knight now needs to do a it by them face and paint it blue for Keldor. <laughs> well, one, I kept thinking, wow, that's that's really a 70s design here, you know. I just, you know, I get it that you, you want him to look somewhat civilized, you want him to look somewhat the good guy here, because, you know, I, I, I really like that he tries to be a mentor to Adam. You know, he kind of speaks up for him, he kind of has that moment where, you know, he finds him and they talk it out a little bit, but something of that design, it just really kind of gets under me, because he looks too generic, he looks too plain. I think it's a combination of the pants and the plain purple shirt. Maybe if he had like some, like Randor has some sort of elaborate armor, or and and, and dang it, he's the prince. He shouldn't be looking. He shouldn't be dressed like a commoner, which it's kind of my issue with Adam's design ever since the '80s as well. He's the prince, and he and his clothing looks pretty much like a commoner. So I think that may be it. That's somewhere. So that's something that the Mattel minicomics did a bit better, giving Keldor the green and gold armor that they did better. Yeah, definitely too common. I mean, I can understand maybe he wanted to dress like the commoner to fit in, figuring he's probably the only Gar walking around because Gars are on their own island exiled. You know, Keldor would not do that. That's really contradictory to him. He's a flamboyant guy. You know, Skeletor, Keldor, it's in the personality. He's a flamboyant guy. He wants you to know that he's a prince. Especially here when he talks about being ignored, you know, the invisible prince he calls himself. You know, you think he would dress differently just kind of to defy people and to get attention. Notice me! 
No, I'm not I'm saying he'd be. Is. Yeah, I'm not saying he'd be in that armor that you know Skeletor's in, but he would kind of be a little more Liberace, I guess. Yeah, I could, I could almost see like a furry cape and and something like something dangling that would make noise as he walks. Like, yes, I'm here. I'm walking. I'm making my cape is making a noise that it's making you notice that I'm here. No matter how much you try to shut me out. My clinking cape will, will tell you I'm here. My flamboyant cape will tell you I'm here. And I'm going to tell you that I'm freaking here. But I don't know. I think they're just trying to pull, like, trying to make Keller a bit too muted, more subtle, more trying to play, like, the dev, devil-esque nature. Like, he's sending Simba to down the ravine to get killed in the stampede kind of thing. You should you sure didn't find Lion King yesterday while you were at the ball? Yeah, you brought up Lion King a bunch of times, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's, it, I'm just noticing the similarities between this and Lion King. And recently I reread the whole Justin Marks script, which was pretty much Simba Begins. So I do have a bit of Simba in my mind. And then again, the Simba connection... Simba's singing voice was Prince Adam in 2000X. Boom, there you go. (laughs) And there's our Disney connection, guys. Well, you know, as a writer, uh, we say we all draw from the same well of life. And the one that threw me off a little bit is the origin here. Because remember in the last issue, that evil witch spirit thing said her son, and we saw that shadow of Skeletor. Yep. And then here they just briefly give you like two squares that Miro crashed on an island on Gar and at one Gar, he made it with her. <laughs> and took back the sun. But I guess they figured the readers have been following along and would know that already. And that's very Game of Thrones. <laughs> See right now to me, that's, that's just, that screams Game of Thrones because that's what they do all the time. <laughs> oh, they just go to a, another island, mate, and bring back the kid, huh? Yeah. Well, part of part of the big struggle is it has something to do with that, and I'm not gonna spoil anything because read the books or watch the show, which is basically a hyper abridged version of the show with some of the books with some changes. But if you're if you're somewhat more naive or more innocent, you can look at those questions like you have reached the island, have a free baby. <laughs> No, I mean, how how much is it in Game of Thrones that they have, like, their own hierarchy, their own code of, uh, you know, of illegitimate children, where some get to live in the castle, but they're not regarded as a family member. They even have different last names, but everybody knows who they are. And if you prove your worth and you prove that you're somebody or, you know, like, you know, you do a great service. You prove basically you're valuable to the family. They'll even change your last name to the family. Yeah, and they, and they have illegitimate names. Like, if you're from the north, your illegitimate name is Snow. If you're from, if you're from, uh, wait, Storm. If you're from the southern area, illegitimates are Storm, etc., etc. Just don't read the, don't read the books, hungry. The foot <laughs> descriptions will make you hungry. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. And here I'm kind of picking it up, like, okay, so this guy had sex with assumingly a over a thousand year old woman. Makes you wonder how long those girls uh, 
car women live. I mean, we know it's most likely a ghost. Yeah, but a ghost who has a baby. So she, <laughs> she possessed a woman's form. Okay, that I might believe now. That might be a little more reasonable. That, that would make a that would make a bit more sense, but but still, it's it's just a bit a bit messed up. Like one thousand years, oh suddenly, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's still alive. She's hanging there, and oh look, she she was able to spit out a baby. And now you're gonna take it back and let your wife raise her, raise him. I mean, he could have left the kid behind. And uh, now. I just realized something like Adam and Keldor have shared a lot of it, of Adam's life together. So now I I do have to wonder how it'll, how this will change the human skeletal dynamic. Because I mean, in, in 2000X, the last time we knew that Keldor was alive, Adam didn't know that Keldor was Skeletor. So he saw Skeletor as a different threat and not his uncle Keldor. And I do have to wonder if in the DC continuity. Adam will be aware that Skeletor is Keldor, and how will that change their dynamics? Since basically Keldor is taking the role of man at arms in filmation here. Well, didn't I mean we discussed that a long time ago on our podcast, didn't we? Whether He-Man or again Adam knew, because you think that'd be public knowledge in the 2000X. Everybody knew Keldor, and you think it'd be public knowledge who his family was. And the 2000X guys confirmed. That they were going to deal with that down the road. That he's uh, Randor's brother. So you think they would be aware of it. Filmation was never going to deal with it. They were, I mean, they had it like the old school. that it, They were, you know, Keldor didn't even exist in Filmation. Uh, Filmation was dead and done by the time the search for, for Keldor came out, right? Yeah. Right. And again, that's something that got added. Because remember back in the... They had it like he was a demon from another dimension, and then they kind of changed it where he was a a protege of uh, Hordak, and they betrayed each other, or something happened. They they, just, they had a falling out, and Skeletor was left on Eternia, or he threw out Hordak, you know, something like that. He was left behind and betrayed his uh, mentor, and showed the showed the sorceress and Men-at-Arms where Snake Mountain was trying to save Adora. Yeah. And That's then, so yeah, filmation. Yeah, but in the Golden Books, I think, they had a different story with a human skeleton who had a yellow face and looked really freaky. Yeah, I remember that one. So again, multiple continuities, multiple origin stories. These new continuities are just taking that mishmash and trying to make something coherent out, out of it. And... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nitpicking the next page where Adam is riding the sky sled. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a reference about the toddler size for it. It's just that Adam's driving it wrong. <laughs> His hands should be outside the the steering column. Well, you're right. It's too big for him. I mean, it's too small. If that's Keldor's sky, <laughs> if that's Keldor's sky slip, just picture a grown man riding that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like those electron, the electric cars that they have for the kids. That's what this is. Bow, bow, power <laughs> wheels. <laughs> but yet it has a weapon mounted on the front. Truly, these are savages. To be fair, to be fair, the eighties were a different era where. Where helicopter parents didn't helicopter much, there weren't any helicopter parents, so you could have dangerous things like 
a BB shooter in a tricycle. And this is basically a tricycle with a BB shooter. Yeah. That belongs to a grown man. Let's just agree he should have drawn he should have drawn this a little <laughs> a little better. I want to chuck it up to bad perspective, but yeah, it's bad perspective. I just I just use the magnifying glass to look at the at the panel where Beastman is looking at him. There it looks big, but yeah, bad perspective. Okay, I'll, I will concede. You're you're right. I'm looking at the the binocular shot, and yeah. it does look a little bit more size. So the writer, I mean the the artist, needs to get a little more consistent. The same thing. Like I have an issue. Like oh, uh, I mentioned this before. I hate the Captain America uh, the way they do it in the cartoons because his shield changes sizes like crazy. Here, you're right. I see it now, and then a few more panels ahead. It is the right size when it gets attacked. But I want to see. The, I want to tell you about the next few panels with the. Is with the this? Shadow. Well, I was going to say, is this the Council of Elders? Well, I see Wilford Brimley here, <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of people who we shall never know their names. Well, I think I see Lucius Fox down the row there. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that a guy like in a tuxedo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see the guy in the tuxedo near the end. Yep. And wait, one, two. Almost at the end. And we have the blonde lady whose dress kind of looks like Tila's, with the tiara and everything serving wine. And the thing that gets to me here is like, okay, it's not... This is a bureaucracy now, because this is a cabinet of regular people. There's no mysticism. There's no magic. I don't see warriors here, and this is where this is where it's starting to divert from me, because these guys are starting to forget the sword. You know, I mean, He-Man is sword and fa- uh, sword fantasy and sci-fi, and I'm starting to see too much realism here out of the three. You know, I don't see any fantasy. I don't see any real sci-fi here, and. I don't see a sword here. You think these guys would be a little different. And that's my complaint I gotta make to the, the writer or the artist. I did expect it to see something more than plain humans, right? I wish I could have seen like a, a Caligar, a Acadian. Yeah. It should have been representing Eternia. Exactly. I mean, you should see at least one, maybe two masters sitting at that table. And that was another thing I was getting to. I want to see some dead masters. Heck, they could have they could have just created some masters just to kill them right there, like Cannon Father and Red Shirtor. Yeah, I mean it doesn't have to be like the ones we get in the toys. They could yeah, exactly. They could have made um. They could have been a Caligar one. But you're right. That's exactly. Uh, you guys pointed it out. I couldn't figure it out what was wrong. You're right. It's all humans. Needed a little diversity here. And and again, like you said. The lack of masters being present there at a meeting where all the big heads are there. That's basically screaming, attack me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing this, the way the table's set up, like the discussing uh, security issues. I'd want to see masters there. Uh, And the maps, God, they could have looked at all those Maddie maps that we got over the years to make it somewhat looking like Eternia, not just two green blobs. Oh, I think it, I think somebody puked on them. <laughs> it actually looks like a 
bunch of splashes. Doesn't even look like real maps. Nah, nah, but all jokes aside, uh, I don't like the idea that it's just like a big staff meeting table. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't look like like a council meeting. Like I know what they're doing. They're trying to find Scott Knightlick's replacement in this page. Oh, I, I wish. It just sounds like, okay, uh, the way I was picturing the meeting going, okay, uh, we need to reclassify the zone for commercialism here because we have a petition by the state council and some corporate company here to uh, rezone this area for uh, business they want to set up and put some piping. What do you think, King Randor? Like, okay, <laughs> That's um, what I'm thinking, okay. We need to put a new uh, building up for all these minis that did not sell. <laughs> uh, Toys R Us would like to buy out downtown Eternia. I mean, okay, keep the sci-fi. I mean, keep the sci-fi part. I like the next panel, the poisoning. I have no problem with that. And I like it where Kelder's on the edge and you see how vast this is. But, again, the design of those characters should have had a little more zing to them. They should have had, like, weapons. They should have looked a little more, oof, you know? More, uh, less city council meeting and more barbarian. A bit more barbaric. Yeah. More more fantasy-like. Or Knights of the Roundtable uh, type thing, man. Yeah, I mean, the Wilford Brimley guy, he could have been perfect to have had, uh, like, a Viking helmet sitting in front of him just to Give him a bit of... <clears throat> exactly, and the girl in the fancy dress, I would have made her like an armor, a Valkyrie with a laser gun. There's a little hint of your Shira there. <laughs> or Anatu Elena from Filmation. Yeah, just a little more zing to this. But yeah, okay, he did this. I don't think the writer, I don't think the artist was taking it too seriously. Because the next panel was good. I, that's the thing I want to emphasize, the next panel, you <laughs> know. Where we're seeing that little devilish side of Keldor coming out. And that's where I like that look. He drew him perfectly. That's Keldor right there in true colors. Yes. It's it's just the suit that it, it's just the Keldor suit that it's a bit too plain, but yes, this this that's... page shows Keldor perfectly. To the king, yes, to the king, king, the mighty, the destroyer. King Keldor. Boom. That that page just all the complaints about the comic. I actually forgot them with this page, and I'm not joking. I mean it literally. But then for the future pages, remind me of old man, twelve year old Adam, and then I lose it. Yeah, I mean the eyes capture Keldor perfectly. Evelyn, I don't like the way that she was drawn. I hate the Maleficent. Keep in mind, she came before Maleficent. Yeah, but... Well, technically, Maleficent came way before Evelyn with that 1930s or 40s Sleeping Beauty, which the live-action Maleficent borrowed the, this, the look for Angelina Jolie. Well, here's again where I would have been... A, I would have paid a little more attention. Here, you know, my overall critique is that the artist is not giving enough attention to the details. I don't want to say he phoned it in, because no, no, he, he, he really put effort in there, but I don't think he paid enough attention to what could be done. Like, you know, he drew Evelyn in that transformation scene in the classic way, 
where it would have been a perfect opportunity to draw her, like, in the 2000X. As young Evelyn Powell. Yes. A little different. You know, I mean, we know in this one she has black hair. So... Well, we could have gotten that look with the black hair. Yeah, and she just could have been wearing, like, a evil-looking tiara. You know, not dressed like how she's dressed now. But again, you know, that's... The writer, I don't think... I mean, the artist, I, I, I don't know who to blame, either the artist or the writer. But... They should have paid a little more attention to the details, but okay, you know, I'm, I'll, I could overlook that. Well, there is effort, but it's been a bit hit or miss between panel to panel. Yeah. Um, the next one, um, you're right, the uh, the sky sled is to scale, looks a lot better, and Shadow Beast, which is, okay, cool, cool, they're playing with the toys. And Beastman using his whip, <laughs> so that's a, that's another obvious nod to the toys, and they didn't give him like a... A different weapon just worked. So that's a bit that's a bit of paying attention. I'm stuttering more than Jeff Goldblum today. <laughs> and and here again on this page we can see the whole hit and miss thing because when the scare dance, what was that? He looks like a kid, but then when he hits the ground he looks like an old man. You're right. You're right. yeah. And if we go to the next page, a wind raider with a cockpit. It looks strange, it looks out of place, but at the same time it looks kinda cool. Well, again, I'm thinking this is a primitive or an earlier Wind Raider. Because remember the vehicles we had like back in the early days with the Man at Arms uh, solo one. It looked like a generic flying vehicle. When, same thing. The critique was that everybody said, "Hey, why don't you draw the Wind Raider? Why don't you draw actual vehicles instead of keep making these generic things that we keep seeing?" So at least they're trying. Yeah, and you can easily identify that was. This is the Wind Raider from Classics. Okay, yes, it does have a roof. And it's a two-seater, so is it a nut to formation, or is it a Top Gun reference? It's a little more, isn't it? King Randor's in it, right? Yeah, and I, I gotta say, I love when when comics and the 2008 cartoon did the giant-sized Beastman. It makes him more of a beast-like monster, so Mattel 2016, I'd be very tempted to buy a large-scale Beastman. Now, see, Beastman should have been done... Well, he is in the uh, 12-inch. But, I mean, for the, our 6-inch uh, line, they should have done him in the same scale as Ram Man, I think. Yeah, but they weren't thinking that. I mean, he was the first... Technically, he came first before Skeletor, remember? Yeah, so that that was back then, like... When they didn't expect it to go more than six figures. Plus, also... You know, the original toy was in Just scale. the same size as the other figures, but now they, for the 2016 line, if it does happen, and if it does use classics, classics pieces, they could go with a larger Beastman, just give him a bit of Ambrosia and call it Ambrosia Beastman. There you go, Mattel. Free variant idea. Now give me money. <laughs> <laughs> give you a free case. Or the it. figure. To me, okay, this was a good action scene, okay? You had the Wind Raider swooping and shooting at Shadow Beast. Beastman jumps, which is exactly the way I see him. And he tears that Wind Raider apart. And then he jumps off, gosh. He's no fool and he's not going to die in that exploding Wind Raider. Which, again, in an animated feature, this would be so freaking awesome. Yeah, they've nailed all the uh, action scenes. Even though Adam... Well, now he looks more like Doughboy face. <laughs> <laughs> like someone just put his face on a stretcher and said, okay, we'll let you know when to stop. 
I mean, they definitely need to get someone else to draw a, a young Adam's face, especially if they're going to have more of these flashbacks. Or at least soften up the lines, because maybe softening up the lines just using the sh the computer shading instead of adding the additional ink lines, maybe it could just make it seem like he's just being straining himself just to lift uh, the piece of Wind Raider because the, the ink lines make it look like age lines. The writer, I, I guess the artist is not used to drawing kids. You know, I mean, artists have weakness. I keep thinking, you know, I mean, how often does a comic book writer, or I guess an artist, sorry, um, really draw children? Um, when they're doing comics like the Power Pack. Yeah, and how often is the Power Pack? <laughs> I mean, there are children in comics, but that's a select group of artists that constantly work on it, and those artists might have a hard time drawing adults. I they have to be able to recognize their weaknesses and figuring we have a 10 to 12 year old boy throughout this, they would bring in one of those comic book artists who deal with the children, drawing children to make it look a lot better. Where we don't have the old man going to Ellen DeGeneres to a chubby child's face, to a skinny child's face. Yeah, and again, I have, I get that he's trying to draw the kid really struggling, really forcing. I mean, I get that he's probably going to get a hernia after this, you know, picking up his that metal piece from his dad. But still, again, just like Crespo pointed out, that shot of Keldor, the next shot redeemed everything when you see the sorceress and Zodak. And I'm going to say this, Zodak is a really plain and boring character, but that half-facing, cosmic-looking Zodak, half-normal-looking Zodak would make for a sweet action figure that Mattel would need no new tooling. That's right. It'd only be a paint job. And translucent plastic pieces. Yeah, and nowadays I know they can make uh, transition plastic pieces. I've seen them in other toys and all that, where like a pe one piece of plastic is half-solid, the other half is uh, translucent. No, but here they can get, get away... With it easily because, for example, Zodak would be like the lower ab piece that would be in the translucent, while the upper chest piece would be normal plastic. I think the biceps would be where you could have the transition thing, or to keep things on the cheap side, paint half the bicep, then leave half the other half in the starry plastic thing. Or if you really wanted this figure right away, have an extra Zodiac and a standor. And top Standor apart, because he had that glistening effect. No, but it wasn't the armor only. Well, you're, it could be done. I mean, you're right. I mean, it could easily be done, but are we going to see it? Chances are, no. Well, unless they do a 2016 line based on the comic book designs. But that's writing on a bunch of ifs. Yeah. And here I want to point out, we're looking at a full-fledged Filmation Sorceress. Yeah. Not the uh, J-Lo dress one. And this one has her head attached to her head. <laughs> <laughs> but in a way, I wish they would have done made it where the two characters were a little translucent because they're observing. They're not there participating. This way, you knew that they weren't there, but they were there. I kind of think they were there. I think they are there, but because they, they mentioned something about Adam freezing time there like a, a time bubble freezing partially everything. And the further you are from Adam, 
the time is running normally. Yes, yes, I think here it is. The, whole, the boy's holding on with all his strength, refusing to let the future come to pass. In, in every single moment from now till the end of time, Adam is here struggling to live this way to, and free his father. This is a power I think Zodak and the Sorceress have, where they are able to freeze a moment and walk around it. You know, magic, power of the universe kind of thing that they are. So at that one moment, which has happened in movies and comic books and all that, at one moment, they're there. They're physically there. And they're discussing, again, exactly what's happening here. They're discussing what's going on. They're discussing that Adam, without training, without anything, he did it. He froze. He created a time bubble. Uh, I, well, I didn't notice this first time reading it. The last panel, you can see Zodak moving moving the guard's blaster just to hit Beastman on time. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that either the first time. Yeah, they got the lines, or the little swoosh sounds, so, like, he aimed. And based on the first panel, and then looking at this, I kind of got the idea he gave that blaster a little extra. Mm. You know, that's my theory, that, you know, he just gave it a little extra power. And it shows Beastman's tough. He took that blast, but it didn't kill him. And you're right, I don't like the way he's drawn at the end. Um, I get that he's, you know, he's really struggling. I get that it's it's a painful face, but you're right. He does look like an old man here. I thought the sorceress's uh, moment was really good. Yeah, and it was like, okay, I'll just give you enough of the power that you're going to get just to save Dad. See, and that's why, again, I don't think this is King Hiss either. Who knows, maybe during the uh, next series we'll find out when King Hiss actually took over as Randor. My guess is when they were traveling down the the circles of hell. No, I'm guessing it happened during that explosion in the battle before, remember? Oh, the Horde. Yeah, and he didn't survive that. Because everybody got scattered, everybody got tossed away and all that. And then that's when um, uh, Randor came up with the idea of going into, you know, that mountain and going into the underworld and all that. Could be. Like I said, King Hiss will never say anything. No. But I am a little sad because uh, this is the final issue of uh, the series. And then the next issue next month is the Eternity War, which they said, what, it's a 12 issue? I believe so. And then it's it. That's it. It's going as long as the toy line is, I think, and it's over. Well, hopefully we'll have some new media coming out in 2015. Oh, we need new media. <laughs> We're starving here. Starving, that's putting it politely. But we also have a few other things we should discuss, I guess. No minis, I guess, for 2015. The sub did not go through. It only made it about 40%. Is anybody surprised? No. I mean, there were a few, but they're overpriced. I would rather see them being blind box in Toys R Us or Target, put all the figures, say, like uh, Funko does. They put out 12 figures per wave and see what you get. No, this was Mattel's mistake. These are novelty items. Yeah. And... I, I don't like them. I, I said it before. I said it on the podcast. I'll say whenever anybody uh, brings them up to me. I don't like them. 
they're novelty items, and I'm not a big novelty guy. I'm not out buying these little Transformer things. My daughter collects those little Doctor Who mystery things in the box. I don't like them. And the majority of the fans, on behalf of the fans, you know, there's somebody there uh, should be aware that, hey, we don't like those. We are action figure collectors, and we want action figures. To be fair, it's not that they're horrible, because they're they're okay-ish. They're a bit they're a bit cute. I'll admit they're they're a bit cute. The problem is that they're just too freaking expensive. Yeah, that's my problem. Why I didn't sub up? I mean, I didn't care for the Shira. I preferred the Polly Pockets mini Shira. But for a mini, you don't want to pay more than six dollars for one. Doesn't matter if they have articulation or not. When one's paying nearly forty dollars for it, two super small figures, and that's all—two figures with a weapon each, or two weapons each—it's not I, worth it. That's you know, and the whole set. You, oh man, that is just beyond ridiculous. And Mattel did a boneheaded move. They should have had the Horde Trooper with a palace card. You're right. right. That way, people would have bought multiple. But, for example, if I were into those minis, I would have liked at least three Horde Troopers. Okay, yeah, exactly. three Horde Troopers. How fast did they sell out when they were in 6-inch? Yeah, I'm... they would have sold out fast, but here's the thing. Three Horde Troopers. What I'm going to do with three Shiras. Three plain vanilla Shiras. Because it's not even Shira, Bowl Power Shira, Starburst Shira, New Adventure Shira, uh, Barbarian Space Valkyrie 2000X Shira. No, no, it's... Plain vanilla Shira with weird eyes, Horde Trooper. You are a hundred percent right. I mean, if they knew what they were doing, and this is the evidence why they don't know what they're doing. I would have released a Horde Trooper with a Snake Man, with a Snake Man, so you could build an evil. You know, they're mortal enemies. Do that, or hey, you know what? A Horde Trooper, Eternian Guard, a Snake Man, and hey, how about a different looking Eternian Guard? Or a Snake Man and a Skeletor Bone Warrior. So a, a Skeleton Skeleton Warrior, basically a Snake Man versus a Hover Robot. Right. Something just to make where you could... And here's another thing. We saw the sketches for Hordak and Oracle. Those minis are already terribly small. How small was Oracle going to be? Eraser size? Probably. Figuring most of the sketch was him on his... Uh... Stand. Stand. Nice. He's probably going to be half the size of those, you know, waist, the waist up. But still, that would make that would make Oracle really small, and we and we'd be spending basically ten dollars for a capsule toy machine size toy Oracle. Somebody again, whoever takes over Scott Knightley's job, and more than likely, if I know any company, nobody's going to hire anybody around this time. They usually hire people after the holidays because they have to pay taxes. And um, the way, you know, they're looking into expanding the line. They they need to see what we want. And they need to ask. They need to have, if they can't figure it out, and again, I can tell them what they want. Okay, the line's going to end fine. You know, it, it has run its course. As much as we love it and all that, the, the six-inch line has run its course. Yes. I can't see 2016 with six-inch figures. No. It's time to go smaller. With extra stuff that fans want. You know, fans want vintage-looking stuff, vehicles, all that. Fine, let's do that. Hey, you know what? Hey, Mattel owns Mega Bloks now. 
construction bricks. They make WWE construction figures, and we don't get Motu figures. Come on. I mean, did you see the new Lego mini set that's coming out for the blind bags? Their king looks like King Randor. It's almost a slap in the face, isn't it? Yep. There's plenty of things Mattel could be doing, but they are not doing. I mean, I know that Masters of the Universe, as a brand itself, it's a bit has had a bit of issues. Most of them, most of them have been Mattel made, but they just need to test the waters and not rely on the on the niche collector market. Because sure, we can buy we can buy the subs. Again, the sub system has a lot of flaws, has a lot of perks, but I'm not gonna get into that. Maybe. 2016 will be where we get a few gift sets in the six inch scale, like for example, like saying like a classic fig, two classic fig, a two pack, maybe a fan favorite, maybe a re- with a redo of a figure, or a revision version, like for example, the Spara versus a snout spout with a non bendy trunk or whatever or anything. I don't, I don't know, but I don't see 2016 as a 12 figures. Four extra items, subscription exclusive, San Diego, Traveling Con, holiday item type of thing. I don't see that. No, if we get something, it would be a lot more smaller, and Mattel should divert most of their efforts to bring back the brand with something else other than this obscure comic that may be ending after the Eternity War. And while I didn't like the whole Giants, the minis, I commend them for their efforts, but I feel they were a bit wasted. I don't believe for a bit that Stratos sold out. This is just writing on how Gentle Giant did the G.I. Joes. Now they're doing Mattel's Secret Wars. They're redoing those figures in Giant Size, but I saw I saw the figures. They looked exactly like the 80s figure. The kid in me was going crazy, but the adult in me was like 80 bucks for a Barely articulated symbiote Spider-Man. Nuh-uh. You stick with your super articulated 10 bucks 6 inch spider black Spider-Man. It's, it's a popular kids trend right now. But to me, I, I see it fleeting. I see them quickly ending up in the junk piles. I see them going to the swap meets. It's a fad, you know? Like, remember when we were kids, we had those Japanese ones? Yeah. Yep. But those things had die-cast metal, so they, they were have- worth their money. These toys are like super light. The plastic feels a bit brittle, and it's and they're riddled with screws and screws on kids' toys. Not a good idea for action figures themselves. Well, I have a feeling that the manufacturers figure they're only going to have maybe a shelf life of a year, maybe two, at home before they break, and this way they break, and the kids are going to say, "We need another one." Because you're right, they do feel very brittle. And the kids won't ask for another one. They'll toss it out and they'll want something different. We need to talk about the big thing. The turducken that was the Cyber Week and Maddie all the way to Black Friday. Obviously, we can't talk about Cyber Monday since that's tomorrow as of the date of this recording. Oh, you mean the Chilla fiasco? Yeah, the whole, the whole. Oh, the better ramps are there. Yoink! No longer available. Or, oh. yeah. Ugh. When they first came on sale, I didn't have the money, but I had the money coming, 
and I kept saying, oh, man, Tuesday, 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 Tuesday. I go, I, I as soon as I see that the money's in my account, I jump on Maddie Collector. Ah! No longer available. I mean, I can't believe that all the November items sold out. They're not. Especially when on their homepage, when you click on it, you see the battle ram, and it says, buy now. Galactic Protector Shira, buy now. Because I wanted to get another Galactic Protector Shira. Because I wanted to keep one mint on card. And uh, it just says, no longer available. Doesn't say sell, sold out when you click on Even Arrow says no longer available. Here's what, no, no. Because they're offering the free shipping uh, option and all that, they pulled them. But see, it also said, uh, they even advertised that... The free shipping would go with non-sale items, because not everything was going to be on sale. They made that quite clear. I mean, we do see the minis there, but they're not on sale. We do see Grayskull there, not on sale. They they never had an almost gone on um, the Battle Rams. I know, I've been watching them like a hawk. I've been watching, I've been looking at the Maddie Collector every day, uh, praying to God that the uh, almost gone uh, sign did not uh, show up on those battle rounds because I kept waiting for Tuesday. I kept waiting for Tuesday. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I think that the November items were pulled, but I think it's more like to avoid the people, the subscribers who got the items shipped and had to pay for shipping for them, wouldn't complain about people buying the battle ram, um, the. No Adventure, She-Ra, Tongue Lasher, well, Tongue Lasher sold out before that, Arrow and whatever, got the order over $99 and had free shipping because the subscribers had to pay shipping on something so recent. Because it's not the same like buying Fangman at $21 instead of the 25 that subscribers did because it's a sale from a year old item, not a two weeks ago item. So maybe that's why they were pulled. Still, it sucks because I also wanted the battle ram. But hey, I got a gray skull. So, oh, the uh, Cyber Monday page is up. Yeah, that one's up. But the shop featured our toy lines: DC Universe, Ghostbusters, Masters of the Universe Classics, Seven Days of Cyber Monday, and featured toys. Nothing. Hey kids. Hey. Welcome to Maddie Collector. We sell nothing. No, Maddie has finally sold out of everything. No, but. Also going with some of the things that Mattel's making a mistake on. Battlegrounds Teela. Before Monday, and even part of Monday, she was 20 bucks. And if you were lucky enough to get her on the early access, you wound up paying about $16 for her. Wait, wait. wait. Not only $16, but in some cases, which there was a page glitch that some people, myself included, when they entered the early access page, they did not get the discounts, and Battleground Tila was at the full $27 price. Wow. And Digital River, I had I had a call with them after I noticed that I was going to pay $135 shipping, handling taxes on four figures. And a castle. No, the castle was another... The castle was a, Yesterday, which I bought, where I bought it, when I bought it, but I bought my item. I bought my items. They didn't apply the discount. 
I wouldn't have minded paying the shipping because the discount would have offset the shipping. So, but the issue was like, I didn't get any discount. I didn't get any free shipping. So, okay. I called. They canceled. They told me to wait two days, but I checked my email half an hour later. Seven emails from Digital River that my order was canceled. Luckily, the figures I wanted didn't sell out. So I got the figures at a Fangman, at a Griffin for good measure just to get the free shipping. Boom. Then on Saturday, I went in. Since there was no battle ram, I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just get, I'll just get He-Man and call it a day. Surprise, He-Man sold out. Okay, well, let's just get Grayskull then. Boom. That went in with free shipping. So free shipping was a blessing this time. And I think it was like a sorry for international fans for being geo-blocked last year kind of thing. But free shipping on Castle Grayskull. Yay, me. I just don't get why there's so many Battleground Tilas and a complete shortage of the original. Because they don't want the blonde. They want the redhead. And what really gets me is, okay, after they discovered all these little glitches with Tila, they jacked her price up to $27 to show the 20% discount, which is now $21.60. So you're actually paying more <laughs> than what she was last Sunday. A dollar sixty more. How is this possible? Maddie logic. I mean, I don't understand why they're making all the figures twenty-seven that they have sitting in a warehouse. I mean, they want to move. They want to move those items, and that's why we get those ludicrous discounts in for Cyber Monday. So why can't us just bump the price down for the old stuff and let it sell organically? I mean, sure, we got a week of free shipping over a hundred dollars, but. You're going to see, like, desired figures coming in flash sales going super fast, and you're going to be paying 15 bucks in shipping for one figure. So you're not going to see the savings if you do, like, three, four, five, six orders because they never combine shipping, something that other e-tailers can do. I mean, uh, recently I bought some Game of Thrones figures through another e-tailer, and the thing was that, my order had an error, and one of the figures didn't show up. I made the second order in less than 30 seconds, and I had like a three-hour grace period to get the figures with combined shipping, something that Mattel slash Digital River are unable to do with their Maddie site. Well, Digital River is just so rigid and so yeah, unworkable. I don't, think, I don't think it's Mattel. I think it's that's coming from Digital River. No, yeah, that that is Digital River, but Mattel hired them, so they have some of the blame, too. Because my order issue was, like, just would have given me a refund on the difference. Digital River was like, nope, cancel order, and then send me seven emails. Five of them made it to my inbox. The other two made it to the spam inbox, to the spam box. So if I hadn't been checking my email constantly, I wouldn't have known what happened to my order. I could have missed out on the items. Not cool. Well, okay, I did miss out on one. Panther. But, eh, you win some, you lose some. I mean, I I wish Maddie would just get break their tides with Digital River. I mean, they do have a distribution hub already. Many of them, the local hubs are around the world. Why can't they do the shipping in-house? That might even reduce the cost to us. Well, well I, I'm no expert at the whole... Maddie's like a special sub division. It's not 
affiliated with the main Mattel, but yeah, Mattel's got some various Europe. I know they've got a few European distribution shops, so centers, so they could use that. And I hate to say it, their shipping is more reliable and faster. Well, somewhere along the way, they, somebody made bad decisions, they signed contracts, and you know, they're just stuck. Unfortunately, we're stuck. We got one more year left of this. And honestly, you know, if the line ended at the end of 2015 and all that, uh, I'm going to be sad, but same thing, I'm going to remember, I don't have to deal with Digital River again. That's the only plus that I can even see. I mean, I can't see Maddie Collector even surviving past 2015 because basically it's He-Man that's been keeping him al- keeping it alive. I mean, Mattel's got to change their business practices and marketing practices if they're going to survive. I mean, come on, Barbie for the first time in well over a decade is now the number two item for girls' toys with Frozen beating her. When you go into any of the aisles, you see, okay, it's the same things over and over. They're relying a lot on Monster High with their web episodes going out. But even those, you're starting to see, okay, it's the same dolls. Monster High and Ever After High, just different clothes. You go into the boys' aisle, okay, yes, you have Hot Wheels still dominating. But that's about it. You don't see much of Mattel there. And this is the time of the year where you're pulling out all your stops on toys. Hasbro actually has hit the kids, I hate to say it, in every aspect, TV, computer, besides the toy aisles. Mattel needs to step up there. They're lagging. I don't want, I don't want them to fail. As much, as much as I talk about Mattel and their boneheaded decisions is because I want some of their properties to thrive, especially Masters of the Universe. I had high hopes for Max Steel, but We'll know how that went. Well, we'll probably see another resurgence of Max Steel closer to the movie release date. Yeah, but it's gonna it's gonna be like a one one final flash and that's about it's gonna it. fizzle out because I'm surprised they had Max Steel uh, toys at McDonald's when most of the kids did not even know what Max Steel was. Well, they're obligated. I think at some point now they're out. You know, the movie's in production. They're obligated to endorse it. They're, but you're right. They they lost their way completely on this stuff. And now with the, they they make one move in the right direction with the whole the whole media thing. But at the same time, they they just oh okay, we're just gonna do Monster High, Barbie, and maybe Hot Wheels. I'm like, I wish they would bring back obviously He-Man. Uh, give a chance to Matt Mason. Heck, they could even like the little blurb. On the project photo thing, they could have tied in both both lines. Depending on a waning, thriving, fa- well, not a thriving, on a waning fan base of a very niche product, it is not the best way to bring Heeman back into the spotlight. We are suckers who buy the product because we love the we love the brand. Heeman was an important part of us, but right now, aside the DC comic, there's nothing about Heeman. Hopefully you got everyone will join us next time and we'll have the grand return of Yoni.
Remember to check out MaddieCollector.com for all your He-Man essentials. And I know by the time this airs, Cyber Week will be over. Hopefully we're able to get some deals, though. And remember to check out our friends over at He-Man.org for all the up-to-the-minute He-Man information. And subscribe to the official He-Man channel on YouTube. They are putting out new material every Thursday and Sunday. And if you want to hear us do the Christmas special <laughs> and hear Crespo sing that lovely favorite Christmas carol, let us know on facebook.com forward slash, forward slash TGR club or let us know on heman.org. And any complaints about this episode, direct to Yoni. Do you think Pal would even let us do the Christmas special episode on the Orcas? I I know I might even swear there. We'll just have to do a lot of bleeping. <laughs> so till next time, this is Kelly wishing all of you a good journey. Obviously, Ramping Presto wishing you a good journey. And remember to check out MaddieCollector.com for the Heman stuff because next year is the final year. So get this stuff while you still can. Uh, Renee wishing you journey and we'll see you next time.